Hey everybody, Sarah here, and I'm dropping in to give a brief content warning for this week's episode. So, if you listen to our podcast around small children, or if you happen to be a small child, I would advise against listening to this episode for it contains some more than usual violent content. Other than that, let's get back to our usual broadcasting. So, tell me about life. Life has been a lot. (laughs) How about you? It's been pretty good. I recently started a diet and... How's that going? It's going really well. I'm actually doing Weight Watchers and a lot of my coworkers, like my close friends that are coworkers are doing them too. But they started in like November, October-ish and I just started at the end of January and I already feel so much better and like good about myself because it's not like where you can't eat what you want it's just it teaches you portions and stuff and um I went to shop at Torrid the other day and when I was in college I wore a size one at Torrid which if you don't know Torrid's a plus size store and it ranges from like double zero to like six or something maybe more than that I'm not sure but I was a one in college and I bought a dress. I bought two dresses from there. But one, my favorite one out of the two, it's a double zero. <gasps> wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. And I'm very pleased with myself. It's wow. making me very happy. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So yeah. I've been kind of in a good mood this week. Well, nice. Yeah. And you said life is just being a lot. Yeah. I've just been having some weird drama happening and it isn't just the bachelor that a lot of people are watching right now i've never watched the bachelor i have not either i i guess we're we're not with the times Uh -uh. i suppose we're not cool by the way the other dress that i got makes me look and feel like a witch what like that's awesome it is black and it has stars all over it and it's really long and flowy no that's so cute feeling myself yeah feel yourself girl but that's pretty bomb i'm sorry you're having so much drama nah it's cool it'll all work out yeah my the only other like drama in my life is that i have a temporary new family member until i can get her rescued (laughs) i'm fostering a puppy but at least she's cute that sounded so funny until you mentioned that i know (laughs) Uh, Until <laughs> you could have somebody rescue your family member. My temporary family member. And her name from the shelter is Lorraine. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not. Mm. So I've been, Lorraine. I've been calling her Rainy because there's no way to say Lorraine without sounding extremely Southern. Like Lorraine. <laughs> Lorraine. So I've been calling her Rainy, but she's really cute. Trying to find her a home. Well, she's cute. So hopefully... You know, she'll find right. a Right, and uh, 
with that, there was only one other thing I wanted to say, which was to tell people of the change in our schedule of trying to do bi-weekly releases because it is just becoming too much mm-hmm. to have a weekly release with me having this puppy and I'm in another production and all that fun stuff. So we're probably going to go bi-weekly for a little while. We might go back to weekly maybe during the summer. Who knows? I think that would work because I will be able to edit at that point. I think that we could each take one on, one off, like back and forth editing. Yeah. So I think that would be cool. But with that, are you ready to start? I was born ready. What is our topic? I think that you need to describe this topic because <laughs> it's it was your idea. All right. So I picked the topic of pigs. Because whenever we were trying to think of a topic, I was looking around, as I normally do when trying to figure out what's going to happen, and I noticed that I have a cutting board that is kind of also decoration in my kitchen, and it is in the shape of a pig, and I got it for a dollar at an estate sale, and it made me very happy. And also, I was watching a Shane Dawson video, (laughs) so it was just multi-layers of why we needed to do pig. To do pig, not pigs. To do you pig. Know. Just one pig. The Only action one. of pig. The old. <laughs> I wonder what that would look like. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but what kind of pig? There are so many different kinds. There are so many pigs. Um. When was the first time you saw a pig in real life? Oh, well, growing up, my babysitter basically had a farm in her backyard. So I grew up like feeding pigs and all that. Like there was one time I remember where my babysitter had, and I had to have been like five or six. She had a trailer full of piglets and it had like five or six in there. And she would drop us down into the trailer and it was like a covered trailer. And she would see how fast we could catch one, (laughs) which is not easy. No. Did you have like rope or something and or a net or did you no, just catch them with your, your hands? hands. <laughs> yes. That is And they're scary. Yeah, they are. I mean But they were little piglets. They were tiny, so it wasn't like scary scary, but still for a little child, I was like, ah <laughs> I would have just looked at my babysitter and just <laughs> would have been like you do it (laughs) i don't want to do that well i grew up i grew up kind of hick i'm not gonna lie (laughs) and so it was like a game it was fun it was fun sarah obviously oh yeah get on my level that's how we entertained ourselves (laughs) (laughs) i mean my tanta had chickens and sheep and cows and stuff the rooster always mm-hmm. attacked me every time I had to go get eggs. It was the worst. And I mean, I say that like I had to do that every weekend, but really and truly, it was only like probably 20 times in my life, maybe. And it was that scarring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing that scared me at uh, my babysitter's house was she had turkeys and um, they are scary. turkeys are the worst yeah yeah we sound crazy (laughs) we are (laughs) 
Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Turkey and geese. Geese are evil. I don't care. Swans and geese are evil. Mm-hmm. They are from yep. Satan himself. I agree. I hate them. <laughs> Pelicans are also not very nice, but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to... Is there anything else you want to say about pigs? Do you have any personal pig stories? I love that we went stories? to poultry after pigs. Um, <laughs> uh, my mom, I think, or my dad, either or. There's only two of them. Um, I, th- <laughs> I think it was my dad. He had a friend who had a pig for a pet. And... Uh-huh. It was just really smart, I remember, but he ate too much, so it was really expensive mm-hmm. to keep him, but he, like, walked around on a leash, <laughs> which, I mean, is pretty cool. That's, that is pretty cool. That's about it. I've just all, I think it was also my dad who's had a friend. No, yeah, my dad just had weird friends. One <laughs> friend had tigers for pets, but like, he had attacked um the his, his daughter i guess oh gosh maybe and then another friend had a raccoon for a pet so my family <laughs> at, while we're on the subject of weird pets my family also had weird yeah. pets my dad had a pet fox at one point that's so cute he also oh had a gosh. pet deer and his name was trophy because he was like a trophy buck wow that would have been such a pal to have right and my grandma had a pet skunk, like descented, no. but still. Aren't skunks when they're descented like cats? I think so. I don't know. I've never had one as a pet. <laughs> I mean, fair. <laughs> we have already gone on a tangent. <laughs> so uh, you go first, right? I do. I do. Let's get into trivia. Yes, into the trivia. So my trivia, my first trivia is... In the Chinese zodiac, what are pigs said to represent? And I am just now realizing I didn't write answer choices. So I'm going to make it up. (laughs) Okay, I'm here for it. (laughs) Okay, I really need to write it down or else I'm going to blank and then you're going to be able to guess it. I mean, I'm okay with that. Uh, You're okay with just getting it? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Answer choice A, knowledge. Answer choice B, longevity. Answer choice C, happiness. Answer choice D, wealth. Or answer choice E, love. Oh, that's so cute. Um, wealth? Is that your final answer? Sure. <laughs> You're correct. It is wealth. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I was just thinking, okay, if Gucci did so much, it must be wealth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I came up with the other ones very quickly. I mean, you did well. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, your turn. Right. Okay. So, which is the longest running children's show? (gasps) A... Blue's Clues, B, 
Bear in the Big Blue House. Oh. C. <laughs> Sesame Street. D. Spot. Or The Adventures of Spot. Uh-huh. Or E. None of the above. Oh, The Longest Running? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think it was Bear in the Big Blue House, even though I love Bear in the Big Blue House. I love that show. It's um, so good. And the there's Blue's Clues, Sesame Street, and then Adventures of Spot, right? Those were the other three? Mm-hmm. I know all of those. Like, I, I remember Spot, even though it's kind of... I'm going to say Sesame Street. You are correct. <gasps> Yay! Yes. So Blue's Clues went from 1996 to 2006, but they mm-hmm. have a season coming back. Um, yeah, but they always change Steve. He turned into Joe at one point. <laughs> I ain't pleased. <laughs> I don't know his name, but Steve will be Asian, so representation, oh, well, cool. and he wears a purple shirt. Oh, I'm here for purple, Steve. Yeah, but blue looks crazy. <laughs> oh, like they changed the design? She looks like a puppet. I'm Googling. She looks scary. Um, I'll keep going. Bear in the Big Blue House ran from 1997 to 2006. Sesame Street started in 1969 and is still running. Spot went from 1987 to 2000, but they do seasons and different types of seasons, and only one guy produces it. So technically, it's still present because he just works on books and okay. then moves on to animation. Gotcha. See, I wanted I wanted to say Sesame Street because my dad told me when he was growing up, his favorite character was Snuffleupagus. And so I knew it had been around from the 70s. Right. Well, even beyond 1969. That was a busy year. Right. A lot happened. Okay, so you're next. How many bones are in the human skull? I could have made it easy and just said in the body, but I feel like people who would listen to this podcast know that it's 206. So I had to make it a little specific. So for the human skull, answer choice A, 13, B, 17, C, 19, D, 20, or E, 23. Hmm. Well, there's the cranium. I don't know what the actual name is. At least one. Oh, is that the... Okay, great. So there's that. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Wait, but does that count teeth? Uh, no. Okay. (laughs) I'm gonna say 17... That's fine. I'm fine with it. It was 20. 20. Mm-hmm. And used to, I could name, like, all of them. But when I was trying to think of it, like, I knew all the parts of the top. And then you got your mandible and your maxilla and all that. Mm-hmm. But the one that kept, like, sticking out in my head was the zygomatic process. <laughs> it's a process. Which is, like, right... 
It's right behind your eyes. <laughs> wow. Or zygomatic bone. I thought it was called the process, but I might be wrong. I mean, I like process better. No, I think I was right. Wait, wait, wait. No, wait. The zygomatic is behind your eye. I'm looking it up because it's going to bug me if I don't know what the zygomatic process is. Yeah, it's a part. Okay. We cool. Well, that's all I have. Continue. <laughs> right. What year did George Orwell publish Animal Farm? <laughs> a. 1934, D, 1947, C, 1939, D, 1945, or E, 1984. I knew that was going to be an answer choice. I was waiting for it. I mean, you have to put it in, right? Uh, I have zero reference <laughs> because I did not pay attention in that class. Uh, but I'm going to guess 47. So close. It was 1945. Ah! <laughs> well, okay, I guess. So close. Yeah. Well, I cannot wait to see what you're going to be talking about. Do you have any ideas? So you were talking about kids shows sesame street and then you talked about something very drastically different which is george orwell (laughs) um (laughs) so something with pop culture like tv or a movie or something maybe but i i don't know all right i have no idea about yours so i hope i hope yours isn't a downer let's just say that (laughs) no it's not but i'm assuming yours is now okay good because mine yeah it kind of is. Woo! So, um... But it's good. We're good. We're great. I drew true crime. <laughs> the truest of crimes. Obviously. So, when I knew that I had true crime, I automatically had a case pop into my head. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty well known. It has been used for to make like plots in different crime shows. Like I'm pretty sure they did it on Criminal Minds and a lot of other stuff like derived from this. And I think I talk about it at the very end, some things that this has influenced. But today we're going to talk about Robert William Picton, who is also known as Willie Picton. Robert Williams? Like Robin Williams? Do not compare him to that man. No, I can't. So, uh... Okay, so we're just going to go. Talk about Willie. Yes. So Willie Picton was born on October 24th in 1949 in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia. So up near, I believe it's near Vancouver. Oh, where the Canadians are. Yeah, it's up there in Canada. We know that he has one brother named David and one sister. And I'm trying to remember what her name was. Because I listened to a podcast today about this and I found out a lot more information than what I had initially found in my other sources. Um, And I didn't have a chance to put them in my notes. So I'm kind of going off of memory. But they don't really talk about his sister too much. So I don't have her name. Uh, Not a lot is known about his childhood or family background, except that the fact is that his parents managed a a farm, right? 
he dropped out of school in either 1963, 1964 ish. And he, mm-hmm. I don't know why this is brought up that he was in a special education program when he was in school. And as someone who works in SPED, I don't like the, what's the word? The implication that because mm-hmm. he was in SPED would make him do the things he did. So the only reason I'm bringing it up is because when he was in court, people did bring up the fact that he had a low IQ yeah. and they thought that that meant he had no sense of right and wrong, which I will get back to on that because uh, I have more to say because, you know, the stuffs. But mm-hmm. when he stopped going to school, he started to work as a meat cutter and he did that for almost seven years before he quit and he went back to the farm. His parents passed away in the 1970s, and that's when he and his siblings inherited the family farm. And they all decided that they were going to sell off parts of that land. And it was for it was quite a large bit of land, right? Yeah. And so they sold it to uh, housing estates and shopping centers and all this stuff. And by the time that they got done, you know, selling off all of this land, they were millionaires. Wow. Yes, but he didn't live like a millionaire. He lived, you know, the same as he always did. He still, he called himself a pig man. Like, (laughs) one big thing in this story is a lot of people say he smelled like he worked at a pig farm because that's how he I mean, that's what he did. Yes, but he also was not very hygienic. Yum. Love that. Right. And so eventually they they started a bunch of different um, business ventures at the remaining 14 acres that they kept. And they started neglecting the farming operations and they ended up registering a nonprofit charity that was called the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. The Piggy Palace Good Time Society. That's so cute. Yes, and it's a charity. It's, it sounds cute. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's a good idea. It's just maybe the practice isn't as piggy-friendly as you would want it to be. Yeah, Um. so I'm going to get more into it, but his family's not, or at least his, we know his brother had connections with Hell's Angels and groups like that. And I'll get more into him in a little bit. But him and his brother and sister made the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. And they, it was a charity. They said they organized events and functions on behalf of worthy groups like service organizations and sports organizations. So basically, they let people rent out this area as a charity sort of deal. That's what they said. Interesting. But in reality, it was a club. They made a club. They organized wild rave parties, which a majority of the time included sex workers and drugs and alcohol and not something you would expect of a charity. Like the little whorehouse of Texas. Yes-ish. But they weren't a charity. Yeah. So I also, in one of the articles, saw that the piggery burned down in 1978, but I couldn't find any other details on that, and I didn't even hear it in the podcast that I listened to, but I do know that they had to shut that down. Interesting. Um, After a while. 
which could have made some impact upon the way he lived his life because he had felt like he you know started this place and made all these friends that kind of became a family and then it got taken away from him i did find one story that kind of gave a little bit of insight on their mother and how she could have had an influence on his development Mm -hmm. uh which i did only find this in one thing so i don't know the validity of it but it states that their father was not involved in raising the children and that the mother might have done the best she knew how, but she could be very eccentric and tough. And there is a story that was very widely spread among family and friends that Willie had had a pet calf that he had raised himself when he was a boy and his parents slaughtered it. And they think that that is what caused his development into things unsavory. Because he never got over the grief. That is tragic and traumatic, and I hate that. Yes. Also, it was reported when he was younger that he would hide in gutted carcasses of large hogs when he didn't want to see someone. So, odd. I mean, (laughs) you won't find me there, I guess. No, I ain't looking there. Because who would want to look at that? (laughs) Right. So... Even after he grew up, like I said, he smelled like manure, dead animals, dirt. His clothes were never clean. He had a visceral fear of showers, which he claimed because his mother had always insisted that he took baths. So that was a thing. I mean, fair though. Yeah. Take a bath. (laughs) Take a bath. So um, there is a story that I found about his younger brother, Dave. And I, like I said, I'm not taking any of these words 100% to truth because I'm pretty sure it was just a spoken word of mouth deal. But if this is true, it kind of gives you a look into his family. So Dave was learning to drive on the evening of night of October 16th, 1967, when he was 16 and he had recently gotten his driver's license. And he took his father's 1960 red truck from the farm and he headed east along Dominion Avenue towards Burns Road. It was about 7.40 p.m. Ahead of him, there was a kid. He was a 14-year-old boy named Tim Barrett. And he was walking right down the road. And no one can say how it happened, but apparently Dave slammed right into him. What the heck? So, Like, he just blatantly just kept going. Like, he saw him and just. I'm not sure. Uh, Let me keep going because it. It's iffy. Um, Dave knew right away that this kid, Tim, who was lying on the road, was really badly hurt. So he raced home in a panic to tell his mom what had happened. She stopped what she was doing and she hurried over to the place where they where the guy was laying on the ground Uh, Nobody knows if he drove to tell his mom or if he ran on foot and how they got there, but apparently she got there. And after looking over the boy, she leaned down and rolled and shoved him to the edge of the road that it ran down by a river, I'm pretty sure. And then she turned and she went home. What the heck? Yeah. That's insane. Mm -hmm. And it gets worse. I say that a lot in these kinds of stories. (laughs) I mean... You're not ever really wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So Dave, of course, was frightened, and he drove the truck to a mechanic 
who normally handled their vehicles, and he asked the man to bang out the dent on the front hood and to replace a broken turn signal. And then he even wanted him to repaint the area with the same red house paint that they had already used on the truck. And the mechanic did repair the dent and the turn signal, but he refused to do the painting. The next morning, one of the neighbors, uh, a woman who had seen Tim the night before, went to help the parents of the child to go look for him. And his father spotted, you know, his son's shoe at the side of the road and looking around the spot, he and his neighbor reached the area where he was pushed down into the water and they found him. I mean, at least it was, at least they found him. Because in some cases they don't find the kids, you know? So it does give a little bit of closure. But nonetheless, I am not justifying yeah and um at all so the police arrived right away and they pulled the body out of the murky water and an autopsy showed that the cause of death was drowning (laughs) it was not the injuries he had suffered they could have helped him he could have been okay yeah Mm -hmm. it says that it wasn't the injuries he got from the truck although those were significant he had suffered a fractured skull with a subcranial hemorrhage and a fractured dislocated pelvis but the pathologist or the pathologist who did the autopsy said that those injuries would not have killed him yeah no because those are just broken bones he would just be uncomfortable and hurt for a long time walking might be difficult Mm -hmm. but he would not have died but yeah he basically died because According to this story, because of the mom doing that and the kid not helping, when he died, Timothy Frederick Barrett was in eighth grade. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. In March 1968, a coroner's jury listened to the evidence of several people, including the neighbors and the mechanic and the police officer who investigated the case, and the verdict was accidental death. Um, I'm just going to say this right now. Um, no, (laughs) that's just blatant. That's a blatant lie. Was it because she was a woman? Do you think? Um, no, I think it's because they didn't tell anyone that she did that. Oh, okay. I think it was, they, they looked into, (laughs) I, I don't think Dave told anyone that. I think the investigation was into his actions and he was sent to juvie, but he, the record was sealed, and the coroner's request was not mandated to investigate what happened. And so what I had read was that was the story that went around the family. That is not the official court stuff. Uh, so according to you know the law and that court case, the mom had nothing to do with it. Okay. But that's the story that went around family and friends. So let's get back to Willie. Um, on February 5th, 2002. Okay, so a a little bit of backstory. What had been going on for years and years and years, and you can hear a lot more about this on Crime Junkie Podcast. They have two episodes about this. Um, so they get to go a little bit more into it. But Mm -hmm. basically, around this time, there were a lot, and I mean a lot, of women going missing in this area. And they had made a task force to to try to figure out you know are all these missing women missing like 
they found some. They found that some had died of overdose because a lot of them were all sex workers in the area. But but whenever they would find someone or find out that someone was still alive or find out that someone was dead, they would add like two more to the list of missing people. Oh, gosh. And eventually they they really didn't want to say that it was a serial killer just because of the way that their police force worked, I guess. They didn't utilize the things that they had like they had a they had a very famous um profiler from their area that they didn't utilize and when they did they ended up firing him and he was very well known very famous you know anyways hindsight's 2020 i guess but they eventually had heard that this guy might be the serial killer when they finally decided to say oh there is something going on we need to look for a serial killer and not for all these missing ladies Uh, well because it's it's easier to figure out one person than to find hundreds yeah i get that still yeah it hurts but it took yeah it took them a while to be like okay there is a serial killer we need to figure this out and um when they did there was a worker at the farm who had said like hey i've seen some weird stuff there there's a lot of like women's clothes and stuff in his trailer and all that and they couldn't really get a warrant or anything for that Mm -hmm. but eventually they did get in contact with someone who was like hey i know this guy who has a lot of firearms which in canada it's a lot more restricted yeah and so they were like Booyah, this is our way to get in. They found out he had guns, so they were like, wow, we can get a search warrant for that and get a look inside his place. So on February 5th, 2002, they executed a search warrant for illegal firearms, and he was taken into custody. And they found, they they had asked him, you know, is there any weapons in here? And he was like, there was a twenty-two rifle in the slaughterhouse, I think. Basically, he was like, yeah, there's one gun. But it was a lot worse than that. Uh, They found a lot. uh, Well, so they they got another court order to search the farm as a part of the missing women's investigation because they they had found some personal items belonging to these missing women inside his quarters. They found a gym bag with some sneakers and a orange inhaler with a prescription for one of the missing women why did he under his bed oh okay under the bed that's that's a dangerous place yeah lots of things end up there well he had a lot of stuff like that a lot of different things that belonged to other people and um i remember them saying that there was a box of kitchen knives by his bed What? and all sorts of just yeah. There was a if you want to hear that into way more there, uh tangent. There was a serial killer lady person from Australia. I don't remember her name. Catherine Moon or something. I don't know. It was something weird like that. And she kept her butcher knives above her bed. Yeah. Yeah, it's I feel like Yeah. If they're not sane enough to not kill someone then they'll just do anything and she, she 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 was a murderer but like <laughs> yeah 
But, um, and like I said, if you want way more detail into this, you should listen to the Crime Junkie podcast because if I went into as much detail as they did, my part alone would be an hour and a half long. Yeah. Um, Fair. So the farm was sealed off. And the following day, he was charged with storing firearm contrary to regulations, possessions of a firearm while not being the holder of a license, and possession of loaded, restricted firearm without a license. He was later released on bail, and he was kept under police surveillance. On bail? Who paid the bail? Uh, He was a millionaire, remember? Oh, yeah. I just, I don't usually associate that with people like Right. So it's like, oof. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's locked and loaded. I will forever remember. Right. Um, and this is just a quick going through just dates of what happened when. On February 22nd, 2002, he was arrested and he was charged with two counts of first degree murder and the deaths of Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. On April 2nd, 2002, three more charges were added uh, for the murders of Jacqueline McDonald, Diane Rock, and Heather Bottomley. A sixth charge of the murder of Andrea Josbury was laid on April 9th, 2002, followed shortly by a seventh for Brenda Wolf. On September 20th, 2002, four more charges were added for uh, Georgina Pappen, Patricia Johnson, Helen Hallmark, and Jennifer Firminger. Four more charges for Heather Chinnick, Tanya Holick, Sherry Irving, and Inga Hall were laid on October 3rd. Bringing the total to fifteen, which makes this investigation the larger of the largest of any serial killer in Canadian history. Wow. There's more. On May twenty sixth, two thousand five, twelve more charges were laid against him. Wow. <laughs> Canada, you're housing some scary people. Mm-hmm. So there was uh Kara or Cara Ellis, Andrea Borhaven, Deborah Lynn Jones, Marnie Frey, Tiffany Drew, Carrie Kosky. Sarah DeVries, or DeVries, Cynthia Felix, Angela Jardine, Wendy Crawford, Diana Melnick, and Jane Doe, which was an unified, unidentified woman, and uh, bringing the total number to 27. Excavations did continue through November of 2003, and the cost of investigation was estimated to have been $70 million by the end of 2003. Oh my, and it's 2003, so that's... Yeah. Very recent. Yeah. But this happened all from like 20 years. And I'm, I believe I go more into that. Um, in the meantime, all of the buildings were demolished because they were looking over the entire 14 acres that's mm-hmm. across it and down. They dug th- up to 30 feet down. Oh, my and gosh. And it took them, I believe, I remember, it took them 18 months wow i mean yeah that's fair especially if they're digging 30 Mm -hmm. feet down but yeah so forensic analysis was very difficult because the bodies of the victims may have been left to decompose or allowed to be eaten by insects or the pigs on the farm so gross (laughs) yeah during the early days of the excavations the anthropologists brought in heavy equipment, including two 50-foot flat conveyor belts and soil sifters to try to find traces. And I do know that they found uh, some jaw bones with teeth. That's how they connected some of the murders um, 
to the people that were missing. And I know a lot more about this, and I'm trying not to, like, go into it unless I ha don't have it written. But I think I have it written. So if not, I might go into it a little more at the end. On March 10, 2004, it was revealed that human flesh may have been ground up and mixed with pork from the farm. And this pork was never distributed commercially, but was handed out to friends and visitors of the farm. Imagine. Mm -hmm. And I, I being that family friend. Yeah, and I had heard that he might. It, this says he was never distributed commercially, but I had heard that it could have been sent to the butchers and stuff that his meat was normally sent to. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So another claim was that he just fed the bodies directly to his pigs. What the heck, man? <laughs> like, I don't yeah. even know what else to say. Like, that's just wild. I don't... Mm-hmm. Mm. So a preliminary inquiry was held in 2003, and the testimony of which was covered by a publication ban until 2010, so you, like, couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the preliminary inquiry, it was revealed that in 1997, he had been charged with attempted murder in connection to the stabbing of a sex worker. Let me... This blew my mind. Okay. So, this woman... Had, like, all of the sex workers in and around this area knew him because he frequented it a lot. They had all considered him, you know, a provider, a friend, because he would give them drugs, even though he never drank or did drugs. But he was a very big, you know, friend, provider. Mm -hmm. You know, he got along with the sex workers in the area. And... um this one, she, you know, went with him to his house and because it wasn't that far of a drive. And after they had done whatever and she was getting ready to leave, he started like messing, like fondling her hand and then slapped a pair of handcuffs on it. Um, on one of the hands. No. <laughs> and then he stabbed her in the abdomen. What the flip? And this was... This was years ago. This was in 1997. And she actually got the knife from him and stabbed him. Yeah. <laughs> you and go, go. she, you know, was running away. Yeah. She she ran away and she was trying to hide because at the end of his driveway, there were two other houses and both of them had their lights on. And so she's banging on the doors, trying to get help. And then she sees a car pull up with headlights and she's like, oh, my God, he found me. <laughs> But it was one of the couples that lived at that house, and it was an elderly couple who, she still had the knife. She was covered in blood. Yeah. She was literally holding her entrails. Oh, my God. No. And she was, like, banging on the window of her of their car, screaming. Yeah. So, like, you, but they helped her. Like, they didn't run away or anything and drove her to the hospital where she was treated and she had said, I was attacked by this man, blah, 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 all this stuff. And they linked it to the man who had also come to the same hospital who had been stabbed. Wow. But he had said he had picked up a hitchhiker who attacked him. So the stories did not align. But you want to know, you want to know what did? What? <laughs> I don't know if I do want to know. The handcuff on her left hand and the key in his pocket. <gasps> so at that point, it was it was linked. Yeah. They knew. And um, 
you know, they took all of their stuff, all their clothes for evidence, and she had filed charges, but the charges had been dropped. Not by her. The charges had been dropped because she was a sex worker, but that's not it. That wasn't, like, the main issue why they dropped it. It was because she had drug addiction issues, and prosecutors believed that she was too unstable to testify. Um, drugs wear off. <laughs> yeah, but that's why they didn't, they, they didn't go after him for this, like... She was literally holding the inside of her body in her hand. <laughs> and the keys yeah. not... Yes, yes. How much? How much more evidence do you need? I I don't know, and it doesn't make me happy. But we continue. I am <sighs> shook. <laughs> I am so baffled. The good thing that did come out of this is that they did take his clothes. Oh my God. They took his clothes from that night, right? And it had been sitting in the storage locker for more than seven years. And in two thousand four. They did lab testing on that clothes. Mm-hmm. And there was DNA from two of the missing women on his clothes. How much more evidence do you need? <laughs> well, hmm, so. Okay. His, <laughs> his trial began on January 30, 2006 in New Westminster, and he pleaded not guilty to 27 charges of first-degree murder. Okay. And on March 2nd, 2006, one of the 27 counts was rejected for lack of evidence. On August 9th, he, the Justice Williams, he severed the charges. He split them into two groups. One group of six counts of first-degree and another group of 20 counts. And he said it was because there was way more evidence for those six so you mm-hmm. were way more likely to get him on those six than to have them all together. Mm-hmm. They ultimately did not go for those other 20 counts. They didn't charge him or even they were stayed. They didn't try to charge him with those, which we'll get into. But because of the publication ban, full details of the decisions were not publicly available. Because if they did all of those, that it could last up for two years, the trial could, and it could be a mistrial. And yeah. so he just decided that six was good. So in 2007, that was the first day of the jury trial, which he was facing the first degree murder charges for Marnie Frey, Serena Abbotsway, Georgina Pappen, Andrea Josbury, Brenda Wolf, and Mona Wilson. The media ban was finally lifted, and for the first time, Canadians heard the details about what was going on. Oof. So, like, nobody knew about it until then. Yeah, because they completely kept it under wraps. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine. Imagine. I couldn't. I physically cannot. This is ugh, this is where it gets me. And I could have gone into this earlier, but I wanted to go into it once we hit this part. But in his opening statement, Crown Counsel uh, Daryl Previtt told the jury, the jury of evidence that was found on his property. So when they first came in to his house to find the guns, right? Uh-huh. <sighs> All right. I'm scared. You're, like, making me nervous. <laughs> well, because I'm starting with the worst part. Oh, I could cool. lead up to it, but I'm just going to start from it. So when they went into, you know, his place, there was a deep freeze, which generally you would think is full of 
meats. Uh-huh. Well, um, inside, I don't remember if they were in different ones or the same one, but inside the deep freeze, there were two five-gallon buckets. Um, tell me they were Play-Doh or something. Uh, they, they were very much not. They were oh. very much not. No. They were, um, I don't even like saying it. Inside each bucket was a human skull. Stop. And each of them were cut in half vertically. Why? And inside the skull were two hands. What? And under the hands were two feet. What? So they were like stacked? Like... Like, he cut the skull in half and put the feet and the hands, yeah, inside it. Like a cubby? I... Yeah. That is not the only thing that they found. Obviously, they found other stuff to convict him, but... Um, the remains of another victim were stuffed inside a garbage bag in the bottom of a trash can, and her bloodstained clothing was found in the trailer where he lived. Um... Part of one victim's jawbone and teeth were found in the ground beside the slaughterhouse. And this is one that gets me. And the first one didn't? Oh, it did. This one gets me in a different way. A twenty-two caliber revolver had a sex toy that contained both his and a victim's DNA. Um, it The sex toy was attached, pulled uh-huh. over the barrel of the gun, and... There is a recording of Picton, you know, that was before the jury, where he claimed that he attached the toy as a makeshift silencer. That is not needed. (laughs) No. Um, As of February 20th, 2007, the following information was presented to the court. The items that were found inside his trailer included a loaded .22 revolver with the silencer and there was one round fired and it was still loaded um boxes of 357 magnum handgun ammunition night vision goggles two pairs of faux fur lined handcuffs a syringe with three milliliters of blue liquid inside and spanish fly aphrodisiac okay (sighs) my body hurts reading this um, there is a videotape of Picton's friend named Scott Chubb who said that Picton had told him mm. that he knew a good way to kill someone. And that was a way to kill a female heroin addict was to inject her with windshield washer fluid. How do you even come up with that? Well, he said it was because no one could tell those injections from the others. Yeah, yeah. It's horrible because it, they would pass within 10 minutes. Yeah. But, so, but it took 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, hmm. Another tape was played for Picton in which an associate named Andrew Bellwood said Picton had mentioned killing sex workers by handcuffing and strangling them and then bleeding and gutting them before feeding them to the pigs. So he... Was not, people, and I, I don't know if I go into this later, but people say that he has such a low IQ that he didn't know right from wrong. But 
and I know I put this in here, but I'm just going to say it now. His IQ was, I think, in the 80s. Yeah, his IQ was 86. And the level for an intellectual disability is below 70. And obviously this man has thought way ahead. Like someone who has an intellectual disability may or may not be able to plan all of that, you know, and get away with it for so long. And for the things that he came up with. I just, I feel like that's a, that's an, yeah, it's a scapegoat. And I don't like that because a lot of people will equate an intellectual disability with doing harmful things to others or with stuff like that. And I don't agree with it, but that's just me on my soapbox. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, it has to be said for sure. Yes. So during the trial's first day of jury evidence, which was January 22nd, 2007, uh, the Crown stated that he confessed to 49 murders to an undercover police officer who was posing as a cellmate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and apparently he was talking to this guy thinking that he was just another cellmate, but he was an undercover officer, and he told him that he really wanted to make it an even 50, but he was caught because he was sloppy. See, that is, that has intellectual. Yeah. Uh, that that has cognitive awareness. He is absolutely definitely, he With knows it, what he's enough. doing. Yeah. Um, on December 9th, 2007, the jury returned a verdict that picked in uh, for the first degree for the six counts of first degree murder was not guilty but they did decide he was guilty on six counts of second degree murder and their reasoning was because they didn't know if he had worked alone or if his brother had helped or one of his farm yeah. hands or so they they gave him second degree and the second-degree murder conviction carries a punishment of a life sentence with no possibility of parole for a period between 10 to 25 years, which is set by the trial judge. And on December 11th, 2007, after reading 18 victim impact statements, the Supreme Court Judge uh, Justice James Williams sentenced him to life with no possibility of parole for 25 years, which is the maximum punishment for second-degree murder at that time. I know soon after it was changed, but because this was before it was changed, that's the max he could get. Um, which that was the best he could do to get it as ju- as if he had been imposed for first degree murder. Right. And here's a quote from the judge. Mr. Pickton's conduct was murderous and repeatedly so. I cannot know the details, but I know this. What happened to them was senseless and despicable. I mean... Um, yeah i agree i agree too so they did try to appeal it and they brought the case to the supreme court of canada but it failed they said they were not really going to try to pin those other murders on him because it wouldn't change his sentencing um as expected the families of the other possible victims had very mixed reactions some were disappointed that he would never be pinned with those murders but some others were happy because they didn't want those details of their family members to be displayed for the media. That's so um, sad. On December 17th, yeah, this is just going into the names of those women because I, I want to give them 
yeah their names you know i they need to be said so on december 17th he was convicted of second degree murder in the deaths of six women which were serena abbott's way um she was 29 when she disappeared in 2001 mona lee wilson she was 26 and she was last seen in 2001 Andrea Josbury, she was 22 when she was last seen oh in 2001. Gosh. Brenda Ann Wolf, she was 32 when she was last seen in February of 1999. Marnie Lee Frey was last seen in August of 1997. And Georgina Faith Pappen, who was last seen in 1999. And then the 20 other ones were Jacqueline Michelle McDonald, who was 23 and she was last seen in 1999. Diane Rosemary Rock, who was 34 and she was last seen in 2001. Heather Kathleen Bottomley, she was 25 and she was reported missing in 2001. Jennifer Lynn Firminger, who was last seen in 1999. Helen May Hallmark, who was last seen in 1997. Patricia Rose Johnson was last seen in 2001. Heather Chinnick was 30, last seen in 2001. Tanya Hulk was 23 and she was last seen in 1996. Sherry Irving was 24, and she was last seen in 1997. Inga Monique Hall was 46 when she was last seen in 1998. Tiffany Drew was last seen in April 1998. Cynthia F Felix was last seen in 1997. Angela Rebecca Jardine was last seen in 1998. Diana Melnick was last seen in 1995. Jane Doe, which was the one that they didn't, um, the charges were lifted, but I realized uh, why they had got him with this Jane Doe, and it's because they found this woman, or they found her head and hands and feet <gasps> in a neighboring town in a swamp, but it was the exact same way. Yeah. But that was lifted. Um, Deborah Lynn Jones was last seen in 2000. Wendy Crawford, 1999. Carrie Kosky, 1998, Andrea Faye Borhaven, 1997, and Carla Louise Ellis, who was also known as Nikki Trimble. She was 25 when she was last seen in 1996. As of March 2nd, 2006, the murder charge involving the unidentified victim was lifted. He refused to enter a plea on the charge involving this victim, knowing uh, known in the proceedings as Jane Doe. So, yeah, we already said that was lifted um he was also implicated in the murders of these women mary ann clark also known as nancy greek who was 25 and she disappeared in 1991 yvonne marie bowen uh 34 uh, last seen in 2001 and don Teresa cray reported missing in 2000 which this woman is the main subject of a 2006 a documentary film about murdered and missing aboriginal women in canada entitled finding dawn in case you wanted to see that and there were two more unidentified women um after picton was arrested many people started coming forward and talking to the police about what was going on at the farm and one of those people was lynn ellingson and this was she was a friend of his and had lived there for a while and her and another woman were going over to his house and the other woman and him ended up, you know, going to the bedroom, shutting the door. And then a little while later, Lynn heard screaming outside and she was like, 
well, you know, she was doing drugs. She was like, maybe I'm just imagining things, whatever. But long story short, she claims that she walked into the slaughterhouse and saw Picton skinning a woman hanging from a hook. Oh my gosh, I might throw up. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely putting the the thing at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Um, and that she never told anyone about this because he said that he would do the same to her if she ever did. Um, I think she needs better friends. <laughs> I'll be her friend. So, I'm almost done, I promise. I know this is a long one. Um, You're fine, keep going. These are some other... Some some ways that, like I said, he influenced other stuff was the Seattle punk band The Accused wrote a song about Picton called Hooker Fortified Pork Products, which... Interesting title. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's on their 2005 Oh Martha album. Of course, it's 2005. The song's protagonist... Oh, yeah. Yeah, of yeah, course. yeah. Uh... <laughs> The protagonist was named Willie P. And BC Backyard Butcher, who is said to have been, quote, cruising the East End, which is where a lot of these women were from. Um, the German psychobilly band Mad Sin wrote a song about Picton called Pig Farm. A 2007 episode of CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, titled Leapin' Lizards, includes a passing reference to a Canadian farmer who fed his victim to his pigs. A low-budget American horror story titled Killer Picton, also in 2005, was released, was released in Australia in 2007 and then promptly withdrawn from release after legal complaints by the Canadian government. <laughs> in 2009, there was an episode of Criminal Minds that featured an episode... Uh, it featured... Yeah, it was set in Sarna, Ontario, which follows a case where a number of victims were killed and their bodies were fed to pigs. But a lot of the other stuff from this episode was very different from the actual case um and interestingly in canada this episode aired with additional content warning stating that that specific episode might upset some viewers due to the storyline being tied to these events that was good of them yes uh the book swastika by michael slade used picton as the basis for one of its characters a vancouver vancouver serial killer who fed the remains of his victims to pigs. And the list goes on and on. He has been a very big influence to a lot of things. But I will say there is so much more to this story. And there is so much about these women that I couldn't get into with the time. I've already gone way over what I normally do. So if this case was interesting to you and you would like more information I very, very, very much so recommend the podcast uh, Crime Junkie and the episode, the first one is titled, or the first one that talks about this is titled Missing Women of Vancouver's Downtown East Side. And the second one is titled Serial Killer Robert William Picton. And I definitely recommend giving it a listen. They're 45 minutes each and they really have a lot of good information about this case. And I'm sure last, last podcast on the left has done an episode on this. Well, there's sure. probably a lot of podcasts that have, that one, but yeah, I listened. But, right. I was just adding an additional one because I know that a lot of people listen to last podcast on the left. Yeah. Well, it's like I said, it, it's 
interesting and there's so much more that I could have gone into, but I just don't have the no. time right now with this one. So that's what I have. I'm sorry for that downer. I can't wait to hear your story. And I know that one was long and I'm sorry. <laughs> it was so good but... though. You did an awesome job. Thank you. It was a lot of information. I have all of my um, sources. Of course, I used, like I said, Crime Junkie. I also used Murderpedia and some various others. And it will all be linked in the description. description. Yeah. So now that we are an hour and 20 minutes in, your turn. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Okay, well, mine's on a completely different level. I really am glad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I drew conspiracy theory. Do you have... No, I'm really trying to think hard on it. Okay, so you talked about Sesame Street. And you talked about Animal Farm. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I don't know. I do not know. But for some reason, the only thing my brain is going to is like a, um, where people are like, this is what this really stood for. Like in Winnie the Pooh, all the characters had different mental illnesses or something like that. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. I cannot wait because I really can't think about it. Oh, one more one more thing to tell you about Picton is that I think he is up for per, for daytime parole in 2024. And then he's up for like full parole in like 2027 or 26, something like that. And so like, I doubt he'll actually get out. I understand that Canada is nice, but yeah. they, no, that's a no. Canada cannot be nice in this situation. <laughs> and I doubt they'll let him out, but the fact that he... I doubt. ...has that availability, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that prisons should probably, you know, especially in America, this isn't in America, but I could see that there definitely needs to be a reduction in how many people are in prison, but in this case, there are some people who should just stay in prison. I agree. A select few. <laughs> um, Anyways, but going I back to... to um, yeah, thanks for letting us know. We all get to be angry together. Um, so I basically became a Reddit troll. Yes! <laughs> because... <laughs> Because there was, pigs are notorious, right? But the main story that people were covering over pigs where Shane Dawson is actually a pig, a conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) I think his spirit... Is that why you made me bring that up? Well, I mean, no, but I just thought that was funny, that that's how you came up with the idea. (laughs) Um, No. Also, I didn't have Reddit. I would just go and read Reddit stories online. I I didn't have a Reddit account. So while a friend of mine was getting ready for... uh, No, she was writing an essay and she was just here. (laughs) I was on the same rap name generator that Post Malone found his rap name on. Uh And it was... (laughs) The questions were... What's your full name? First, middle, last. Um, Name a serial killer. Or no, name a criminal. Name a pretty thing. Um, What was another one? Or a cute thing or something. So for the criminal, I put H.H. Holmes. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, I put Sunshine for the pretty thing. I put my full name. 
And basically, I think the generator also recognizes who the criminal is. The names were hilarious. The first one that I read was each letter was spelled out. So for S, it would be E-S-S. Gotcha. And then for A, A Y E. Okay. R A R E. Um, and that was a rapper name, but that was really long. Also did my last name though, and that one was hilarious. <laughs> um, and then I chose the S L L Holmes, which was great. <laughs> but some of them got really graphic due to H H Holmes's past history. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll leave that up to the imagination. Beautiful. Um, I will definitely send you the link, but catch me on Reddit. I now have an account. Nice. Um, I am getting close to my full ultimate gen. Um, what is it? Zoomer. Ew. No. <laughs> That's a no. No, I was talking about in Pokemon evolution i'm getting to my ultimate evolution this isn't even my (laughs) final form exactly so i went on reddit and it fulfilled what i needed i'm I'm very glad so today i will be covering peppa pig conspiracy you know what's funny whatever you first said about the longest running cartoon and i was like cartoon pig say peppa and so i didn't think that you were going the peppa route and now i'm so excited yeah because we make fun of peppa all the time Um, your family yes we always quote the um when she can't whistle and she's like (laughs) put your lips together and blow like this (laughs) the burnt is when she hangs up on her friend i'm peppa pig (laughs) You are not Peppa. You are much better than Peppa. Peppa is so mean. So, I'm so excited. let's get started. My story is not very long. So I'm so excited. I need you to know that how excited I am. <laughs> Just shaking. Um, so the first one is Peppa is living in a true men show style of a simulated life. <gasps> and... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And I got this from Bamboo the Planet on Peppa Pig lore page of Reddit. So this is their theory. (laughs) There's a Peppa Pig lore page? Yes. (laughs) I'm living. It's pretty great. It was... It was a wild time. And mind you, I was just doing all of this research while my friend was laying on my bed writing a, a law paper... (laughs) where she had to study the constitution wow it was pretty great so in this theory peppa lives in a world where everything happens on cue no matter what the situation may be so for example when she is picking up the mail the mailman just happens to come by so then she can just grab the mail out of his hand you know, that doesn't happen in real life. It's a little brat. She's such a brat. She's worse than a, a little puppy barking at the postal man. Um, also, when her family's car breaks down, 
there just happens to be a mechanic walking by who's like, oh, yeah, I can fix that for you. Same thing with her grandpa's boat. Right. (laughs) When her grandfather's boat breaks down, same thing happens. And they're all living in this unnamed world in an unnamed town where everyone falls in place. And it's just all surrounding Peppa. No other character, just her, of all people, the brat of the entire thing. (laughs) So she's the star and she doesn't even know it. Imagine if she knew it. It would be so much worse. (laughs) Um, She'd be like, call Copernicus, I am the sun. (laughs) She she don't eat the ton. She is the ton. I am the ton. (laughs) Also, she arrives to class every day late, but nobody's... (laughs) And nobody starts the class. And all the children are just waiting, sitting on the floor on, on their spots with their preschool teacher just sitting there waiting for Peppa to come in. And then she comes in and then they all start. Like we can't start without our protagonist. Yeah. And um, there's also this narrator that nobody ever acknowledges. And he, he, they're just casually narrating her life. You know what's weird? What's weird? I'm sitting here trying to think of other shows that focus solely on the one character and like Sesame Street changes characters. Winnie the Pooh had parts where it was like other characters. Blue's Clues even has like other characters that lead at parts. Yeah. And like I'm trying to think of another kid's show that's like, no, this is the... Like, even Spongebob, there are episodes about different characters. Spot, it and the adventures of Spot, it only follows Spot. That's true. Yeah. I don't know why I'm having such a rough time thinking of other ones. I don't know. There must be some, right? Why is this so hard? Because we're old. We don't watch children's shows anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Anyways, please continue. I was having an aneurysm. No. <laughs> No, you're fine. Um, So this theory follows the belief that everyone in the town is on the gig, except for Peppa, who is too young to understand, but she is also the star of the show, making it essential for her to believe that it is her reality. And this leaves us with the question, um, well, many questions, but one of the questions are, how informed are the parents? You know, the theory claims that Daddy Pig is more of a rebel Well, Mommy Pig is more of the follow the rules type character because in this theory, it isn't like ABC Family, okay, it's running this TV show. It isn't where people just go to school or like in Bolt. So it isn't like in Bolt where if you've seen that Disney movie um, where the dog just believes that he's the main character and he believes that he has superpowers and everyone is on the gig. and he just lives in this trailer and, you know, all this stuff. No, it's like the Truman Show where it's basically all these people are holding Truman captive. It's all a setup. Yeah, and they are fully immersed into this false reality. And it's... That's such a good movie. It's so good. But there's also this grip on the characters where if they mess up, then the whole thing is going to fall through because Peppa is also this child. So if she knows that it's not real, it will completely shatter her and her imagination. Mm -hmm. So Daddy Pig does not like being told what to do all the time. Mm -hmm. But 
mommy pig is more of like the Truman, his wife, where she is basically just following the rules and going along with the situation. Right. So the reason for that is due to the fact that he doesn't always want scripted problems to happen like when they were going to sell off his chair daddy pig by the way in the jumble sale in season two episode 19 he didn't want them to sell his chair and he was like if i'm gonna do this gig you better at least let me have my chair all of the bad things cannot continue to happen to me so he threw a fit and they were able to save his chair from being sold in the jumble shop uh he also finds it hard to follow his character role due to the fact that he can't do most of the things the other characters asked him to do because a dad is supposed to fix everything you know all of the kids your dad or your stepdad or your uncle the main man in your family due to the stereotypes that are casted on them they are supposed to fix things well daddy pig isn't necessarily good at fixing things and so when he can't fix something, it it crushes him. And he doesn't like the fact that because he doesn't have a talent for fixing things, it makes him look like a not very good dad. Okay. <laughs> Especially how Peppa portrays him where she's like, oh, poor daddy. <laughs> like, she just always puts him poor down. Poor daddy pig. He's so freaking stupid. Yeah. Oh, the British humor. <laughs> even though he's incredibly talented. Daddy Pig can't even change a tire. Yeah, but he's so incredibly talented because he did a perfect diving technique in one of the episodes. Even though he's a pig, he was just really good at diving. I don't know. Like into a pool. Did you know, side note, you know Aquarina Springs here in Texas once featured a swimming pig. <laughs> oh, just in tech you know that's actually kind of weird that that's coming from texas you would think that that would come from florida yeah it was like a big deal wow because they had like the mermaids like the fake mermaid ladies and all this stuff but they also had a swimming pig i love and i used to know a lot more about this pig because he came from the area where i grew up Mm -hmm. and so he was like a celebrity wow way to go little piggy so that's a that's the end of that one but it kind of rolls into the next one okay So Peppa Pig is a sequel to Animal Farm by George Orwell. Okay, explain. And this comes from Is SpaghettiOs on a Game Theorist's Reddit page. So in this world, Peppa Pig is in a place where they lack all humans except for two or three. One of them is the queen. The second one is Santa Claus. And the third one, I don't remember who it was, if there was a third one. But the only two humans in this world that ever showed up in this show was the Queen and Santa. Are you telling me? I'm just going to be honest. I've never really watched Peppa Pig. I've seen a couple of things. Me neither. But like, you're saying that they have humans? Only two. Oh, nope. There's another one. Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. I googled it. Okay. So that's a third one. I never knew they had people... And Peppa Pig. The only problem with Red Riding Hood, though, is I think that she came out while they were telling stories because they also had Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah, I think the only actual humans in the show that were rolling characters that interacted with Peppa were the Queen and Santa Claus. 
Wow, okay. In this world, there's a lack of humans besides a select few, so this theorist thought of a dark idea that concluded that the animals must have gone to war with the humans and won the battle, allowing themselves to be the champions of this land. And in the aftermath of Animal Farm, the farm animals killed all of the pigs except for Napoleon, who escaped with his wife on a boat, who is now known to us as Grandpa Pig. So he escaped on this boat, and that's why the only pigs depicted in the show are the Peppa Pig family. Yeah, because there are all the other animals, but not any more pigs. Exactly, which kind of insinuates incest and stuff like that, but we're not going to worry about that. This is a kid's show, <laughs> even though all of the ha- humans apparently are dead. And their evidence for this theory is, and I quote the person who wrote this theory, this in itself is not much. Until you realize that in Animal Farm, Napoleon traps chickens to collect the eggs for profit. This directly parallels to Grandpa Pig's behavior in the show. Grandpa Pig raises chickens for their eggs. No! Too much! In Animal Farm, Napoleon enslaves the pigs to do his bidding. And even though Grandpa Pig does not do this but instead befriends Grandpa Grandpa Dog, with my addition to his theory, they are always competitive, according to all of the accounts that I read, because I don't actually watch the TV show. I'm a fraud. Um, They are always in competition with each other, especially in boat races, because apparently Grandpa Pig loves his boat. Mm -hmm. My theory, in addition, is what if their whole friendship is a facade and is actually a keep your friends close but your enemies closer sort of deal, which is why they are quote-unquote best friends right. in the show. And even though Animal Farm doesn't mention a boat, the theorist just speculates that this is how Grandpa Pig made his escape, which explains why his boat is so important to him. They also come back later on, uh, later on after they posted this the first time this theory they point out that daddy pig could also be squealer from animal farm quote squealer is the youngest pig therefore it could make sense that squealer is about a generation younger than napoleon and napoleon could have had a child mommy pig who then married squealer daddy pig just a thought so that would explain how uh mommy pig and daddy pig came together because they were the only pigs in this world you're blowing my mind for a children's show that i don't watch right i mean same and then i have two more theories so this is actually where the the two theories run together not the first Mm -hmm. one so the third theory is peppa pig is living in a post fallout dystopian future (laughs) and this is by spud miser 79 I'm not going to lie, I think I might have heard something about this one, but I don't remember anything except for what you just said. Yeah. So this is by SpudMiser79 on the Fan Theorist Reddit page. They start out with reminding everyone that Peppa is officially seven (laughs) foot one. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Feet tall. (laughs) That's how I know this. I've heard that before. And this is official. The show officially steps they they made this statement and she's only four years old (laughs) she's a monster so imagine how tall her dad is how tall is daddy pig how tall are giraffes (laughs) in this world (laughs) 
So, yeah. They also point out that when Peppa is looking forward, she has two eyes on one side of her face. <laughs> kind of like a flounder fish. <laughs> so whenever she looks straight forward, does she have two eyes on the other side? I've seen the edits of that, like, all over the place. Yeah. Quote, so we have established that she... That basically she is an abomination with extra height and eyes, just like fallout radiation would cause. Or maybe it's just, quote, their, end quote, world. But then they pull out the accept part of their theory. Quote, there is an episode of Peppa called The Nursery Rhymes, where they are singing Mary Had a Little Lamb where it shows a human girl who is normal because while she is looking forward with one eye showing rather than two, she also has <gasps> normal-sized baby sheep around her, which means they know about and have been associated with humans in the past because there are no humans now. I mean, who writes nursery rhymes with aliens or made-up beings in a public school? They are just singing human nursery rhymes, end quote. Which means that this is not another world. This is Earth. This is our world, but without humans. So where did they all go? What blows my mind is the uh, that when Mary looks, she only has one eye on each side. Mm-hmm. That's what blows my mind. Yeah, this means that humans are extinct in this world besides the queen and Santa, and they have lived throughout the nuclear war and have been and were affected by the fallout radiation from the war, which allowed them to grow extremely tall and grow intellectually, which allowed them to follow the human footsteps and even use their old technology to study and learn and become more cognitively aware of the world itself in order to develop and create a society. Right. But in Peppa's world, there are also animals that did not mutate. Because in one episode, they go to a zoo. These animals can't communicate like the mutated ones. And they are even caged. <laughs> Quote, probably not like a prison but as a sanctuary for those who weren't affected by the fallout and to remember the past, which is why the teacher, Madame Gazelle, is afraid of the zookeeper, Mr. Lion, as even though they have grown to live peacefully, past prejudices still exist because even in a crimeless society, the past still exists, a time when lions hunted the gazelles, end quote. This is like a... Goofy versus Pluto debate. The Pluto debate? Goofy versus Pluto. Like, they're both dogs. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that is a good question. But I don't know. It's The zoo to them is almost like them walking through a museum. Yeah. You know? Ugh. Also, okay, here's my question. It's more of like a statement slash question. Peppa is seven feet tall. <laughs> How big are these We're animals? Duck on that. <laughs> but I mean, like, and I don't mean Peppa in particular, but she's a child. She's a baby. She's only four. So if her dad, how big are the turtles? Okay. Will she, whenever she's fully grown, will she accidentally step on a turtle and it be like a bug? Or did the other animals mutate? Wait, wait, wait. I have a fact for this. Um,. Oh, okay. I had a fact about this that I had looked up. 
Okay, so did you know that there were dinosaur pigs? Because I was going to bring up that she's a dinosaur. There was a dinosaur pig called an entelodont. An ent- <laughs> the scientists found it and were like, no. Or entelodont. It's, I like it better, don't. <laughs> Me too, but uh, that was a fact that I had looked up and thought about using for the trivia, and I'm so glad that it played in because I loved the name. I love that name. But anyways, yeah, she must be a dinosaur or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daddy Pig, this is the, so that ends that theory. Oh, wait, no. So apparently, I didn't write this down. A, a, a way that you could tell that there was a nuclear war is the landscape and the terrain of where they live. Uh-huh. Because it's all extremely hilly. Yes, yes. Which means that that could have been the outside shock uh-huh. of the initial bomb striking the earth mm-hmm. in that location so it would be the the big waves of the impact miles away from the initial crater i guess which would explain why it is so hilly because mm-hmm. i i the only thing i could picture is where their house is and i know it's just like a straight up hill yeah hmm which would mean that that area wouldn't have been completely wiped out because that, because where the bomb would have hit, it would be just flat. Right. Except for where the crater is. So it would be the aftershock, and it would explain why they just got a poop ton of radiation, and maybe the animals came from an even outer portion of radiation. I don't know. Anyways, I'm getting too deep. So the last one <clears throat> is my favorite one. Can I say something before you start it real quick? I wonder if creators of children's shows just like don't think about how things are supposed to make sense and whatever. And then they hear like within the beginning of the show being made and stuff and it's being shown on TV and they didn't think about how any of this relates to each other or whatever. But then they hear someone make a theory like this and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to go with that. And then, like, make it a thing. I definitely do see, yeah. I could definitely see that, at least in this show, because it's from England. And, you know, British people have a pretty dry personality uh, and humor that I definitely appreciate personally. I could definitely see them do that, for sure. Well, I mean, like, even me, if I was going to write a story, you don't think of everything when you're writing the story. Like, you don't think of how it's going to work. But the fact that, like, going back to the thing with uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb, the fact that they did make her with one eye on one side makes me think, like, if the animators caught wind of one of those theories and was like, ah, we're just going to, we're going to make it worse. Yeah, I, you know, I hope so. I hope that that's right. I like that. Right. So this last one comes from the top 10 scary Peppa Pig theories by Most Amazing Top 10 uh, YouTube channel. I definitely recommend. Um, Number 15, (laughs) Burger King foot lettuce. (laughs) The fact that you can just pull that out. (laughs) You're just like, yes, I can prove you. (laughs) Um. Nobody wants lettuce that comes with a side of foot. Yeah, but that's that's 
uh, Mo- Mojo, right? That isn't this one, because this one's run by a lady. I don't know. There's a lot of those channels, <laughs> right. and I'm not going to lie. I subscribed to them for a while. <laughs> Talk Mojo. That's what it's right, called. Right. Anyways, according to this amazing Top 10 YouTube channel uh, episode thing, one of their uh, conspiracies or theories was that Daddy Pig is not just a pillar of their community. <laughs> <laughs> So they share the theory that Daddy Pig is actually going insane and might even be planning on murdering his family, even though he presents himself as a patient and caring pig. He's going to make pork chops. (laughs) This just turned truth time. So they share the theory that Daddy Pig is actually going insane, and they share examples of when Peppa and the narrator make fun of his weight. (gasps) And they do it all the time. And even how, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And even how Peppa's password to get into her treehouse is literally daddy's big tummy. Because he can't fit uh-huh. through the door. He has to go through the roof. She's such a jerk. She's literally the worst. It hurts me. And you could see on his face how it hurts him. Mm-hmm. Like, what the heck? But he never voices how it hurts his feelings. He just, like, sulks to himself a little bit and then moves on with his life. Right. In another episode, the family goes to the beach and they all splash him and bury him in the sand, but then proceeds to leave him and forget all about him in the sand and they go home. They go back to the beach only because they lost their straw hat. Not because they're like, oh, Daddy Pig isn't here. No, they're like, wait, where's my straw hat? By the way, it was his straw hat. Uh Uh-uh. And then they were like, oh, stupid Daddy. Whenever they get his hat, and then they see it was him. Also, all of that happened in the first series. Okay. So him being left at the beach, Peppa Pig's treehouse, all of that happened. So what will happen after this after several series of content, especially if they make it to like the seventh series right. or eighth series, I'm not sure where they are at They're right just now. Just gonna keep bullying. But him. it's a really popular show, so yeah, so he'll go insane. That's why they're theorizing that at some point, Daddy Pig is just going to become a maniac and destroy his whole family. Right. And that's basically it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't yet. <laughs> that we know of. That one kind of linked in with. The Truman Show theory. Right. Of Peppa. New theory. Peppa is actually dead and is living in her idyllic world. Boom. Like Ed, Ed, and Eddie? Yeah. Or that's more like... That theory is more like um, them being in purgatory, right? Yeah, I think so. And then I think it was like Rugrats where Angelica was like the only actual one that was alive or something. Yeah, she w- she went insane because her baby brother passed away, and so she was taken to a mental institution, and she created this in where she like made up all these universe. babies. Yeah, yeah, I heard a whole lot into that. There's a lot of cool con- like cartoon conspiracies. Yeah, I agree. There's also one that SpongeBob was the Seven Deadly Sins, which was really interesting. Uh-huh. And I already mentioned the Winnie um, the Pooh one. Yeah, where they were mental disorders. Mm-hmm. 
trying to think of other ones, but I can't at the moment. But Wow, your story really, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, thanks. I like it. I really liked it. Well, I thought it was funny. I did too. I really, like, it was a good change from mine, but even if mine yeah. wasn't as dark as it was, I really did enjoy yours. Thanks. But, um, I really enjoyed yours too, even though thank it was, you. I, well, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but I thought <laughs> it was really well done and interesting. Thank you. Well, um, I'm trying to think of if there was anything else we needed to say. Oh, um, to our listeners, we are trying a new setup to get good audio. So hopefully this works out. Um, If it sounds a little wonky, I'm sorry. We're going to work on it and make it even better with every episode. Like I said earlier, we're going into a biweekly release. And I think that's it. We have been recording for over two hours. So there will be a lot of I'm editing so to do. And so, no, it was me. <laughs> Why are you sorry? So we let's let's figure out what we're doing. Um, I did a random state generator. Do you want to go with that or do you want to pick one? Yeah, go, go for it. What'd you get? Okay, I got New Hampshire. Ooh, New Hampshire. That's yet another one that I've never been to. I have been to it, but I don't really remember it because it was more or less like a drive-by, I guess. I mean, I think I did spend time in I don't know. I don't know. Let me go grab Usur. Yes. Are you ready to rock, paper, scissors? I'm ready to rock and roll. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, ha, ha. The North wins. Okay. Well, let me write these down. Tell people what not to do or what to do. What to do. Okay, so we are on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us at ACEOTA. That's A-C-E-A-O-T-A. You can also send us your personal stories um, to our Gmail, podcast at gmail.com. podcast at gmail.com. You can, and I we would love for you to rate and review us on apple Podcasts because that gets our name out we're trying really hard to figure life out and it would be really helpful if you could do that for us that would be really awesome um also i do have to say this jessica yes ma'am i lost a bet okay (laughs) for for the super bowl that i didn't even watch i just went and watched the halftime show later on in the evening Uh on youtube but I did make a bet with Robbie, and I lost. Okay, what do you have to do? I have to shout him out, even though I swear I have done it. I this think is you the have. Third time, I swear. And he's just being, a, he doesn't believe me, I guess. Well, Robbie, I've heard a lot about you. You seem pretty cool. Here's your shout out. Go. Shout, shout it out. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. I just, hi, hello. See, I did do it. That was a team effort shout out. I did do it for the third time. Robbie, you're just, you're better than Sarah at Super Bowl betting. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. We have had a great time uh, with this episode. So with that, Kay. Thanks. Bye. I'm Daddy Pig. (laughs) That hurt my-
my nose. Luau. Wait, what is that song? Luau, if you want a hunk of fat and juicy meat, here's my buddy Pooh because he is a treat. Come on down to dine on some tasty soy and all you gotta do is get in line. Oh. Are you aching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some bacon. Yeah, it's yeah, yup, yeah. yup, yup. Oh, yup, 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 yup. He's a big pig, yup, yup. You can be a big pig too. Oi! Oi. I got that part. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. Little Miss Piggy's going to Kermit homicide. Kermit? Oh, Little Miss Piggy, there we go. Sorry. You're like, that's wrong! My, my little piggy brain stayed home. 